What is up, guys, and welcome back in to the Blake Pace Podcast after a very long and unexpected break from the show. Uh, I am back. My name is Blake Pace. Uh, We're talking to you on June 27th, a Wednesday. Uh, I got to send out a couple of apologies real quick. I got, you know, some technical difficulties. Um, Unfortunately, I had planned on sending out a um, an, an NBA draft special. For the show, as I mentioned on my last episode, um, this last Monday, that uh, I had to take a week off from the show. I was out of town, but I was going to send out an NBA draft edition of the show. Unfortunately, a huge chunk of the audio uh, was lost on my uh, computer, and unfortunately, had to you know didn't have time to go in re-record it. So we missed out on that show. Um, but I'm back in town. We're back on the show, and I'm excited to hit the ground running. And uh, you know do a little bit better of a job as we move forward. You know, one of my favorite things um, that I do even when evaluating talent, um, you know, whether that be, you know, uh, at the college, the collegiate level, professional level, um, self-scouting is always the biggest thing. You know, when you make certain takes or claims or you, you know, have a certain opinion, it's always important to self-scout yourself. And I am self-scouting myself, not on a um, talent evaluation level or a take level, but uh, my commitment to making this show thrive, unfortunately, the past few weeks I had missed out on, you know, Friday episodes here and there. The quality was not that great um, that I was giving for this show, but back in town, a new energy for this show. I'm ready to hit the ground running. Um, we've got a lot planned for the upcoming weeks. Like I've mentioned, we've got um, some N- uh, NFL guests coming on to talk about the upcoming season for projected uh, football teams. Expect the first one of that to be released uh, next Monday with James Ferris, um, you know, a fellow member of uh, my school paper down at James Madison. Um, we're going to be talking about the Cleveland Browns. There's a lot of interesting topics with them. I'm also having my first guest on, Noah Zegler, uh, coming on uh, this Friday, the 29th, um, to talk about the knockout stage for the FIFA World Cup uh, by Thursday night. All of the group stages will have concluded. Friday will be off. Saturday kicks off the uh, knockout stage, so I'm excited to have Noah back on, kind of, you know, touch back on some of the topics we talked about in that introductory episode to the uh, World Cup. Make sure and check that out. It was a great interview with Noah. Loved having him on. Um, And we got a few great things to talk about today. The NBA draft, of course, which I mentioned earlier, um, has come and gone just like that. And with that, you know, we got to talk some winners and losers. We also have to talk about, excuse me, we have to talk about, uh, you know, recap real quick, the 2018 NBA awards, which were this past Monday. And I'm going to give you my opinion on some of the awards and my way too early predictions on next season's NBA awards. And then, you know, last thing, we're going to end the show with the uh, season preview for the um, upcoming NFL year for the Chicago Bears, um, a team that is certainly on the rise in the coming years. So all of that, so make sure stay to sh- uh, stay tuned throughout the episode for all of those great topics. Let's get started. We're going to kick things off, as always, with our player profile, and I'm making a small tweak to it. Um, as we're moving forward, I used to always talk about one specific guy that I really love that correlated with the jersey number of whatever episode um, that we are on, but, um, you know, 
I'd talk about one main guy, talk about a few afterward. Um, but now I'm going to just focus on one specific guy. I did that in episode 12 with, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Um, of course go, you know, listen to all of our previous episodes. Uh, you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, blog, talk radio, make sure to head over to those areas. But episode 13, some people like to call it an unlucky number, but I'm not going to, and neither is Odell Beckham Jr., wide receiver of the New York football giants. And, um, guys love to hate Odell. You know, that's, that's, you know, obvious. <laughs> Many can see that he is definitely one of the more, um, disregarded wide receiver in football. People will admit he's talented, but you know, believe his antics and his behavior and his immaturity really, um, is a detriment to the team and a historic franchise like the giants. I'm gonna be honest. I love Odell. Uh, he is one of the, my favorite athletes to watch on a football field. I truly believe he is the best wide receiver, uh, in the league currently. Um, I believe, you know, a ton of guys, Deandre Hopkins, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, they can do a certain level of things and a certain great deal of stuff on the football field. But Odell to me is, you know, one of the few guys in NFL history that can, you know, take a five yard slant route, 70 yards to the house while making two defensive backs miss for a touchdown. And, um, he's certainly done that through his first four years of his career in 44 starts. He's got almost 4,500 receiving yards, um, you know, including 94.1 yards a game, which, you know, is honestly nothing compared to when you look at his rookie year and he had 108.8 yards per game to go along with a 70% catch, uh, percentage. Um, he, he's a remarkable talent and I think he's really, uh, the, the heart of the New York Giants at this moment, you know, of course, Saquon Barkley coming along, they definitely have one of the more potent offenses in football, but, you know, I also have to say, I got to give a lot of credit, um, to Odell for kind of keeping Eli Manning's career alive the past few years. And people want to look at Eli's stats over the last few seasons and say, you know, he's had a good, you know, second half of his career. Um, of course, the interceptions are high, but whatever. He's got the yards. He's got the wins. They went to the postseason uh, not too long ago. All of that, in my opinion, um, is because of Odell Beckham Jr. And, you know, his ability to turn errant throws or, you know, short routes into big gains and touchdowns. I truly believe that Eli Manning is still on the football field today. Um, as a starter for the Giants because of Odell. Um, and I really believe that people, you know, in Giants management tend to look down at Eli as, you know, one of the all-time greats. But he's really had a few bad years um, looking, you know, further into the numbers and the production you've seen on a football field. He looks lethargic at times. The arm is definitely getting uh, less um, strong. It's getting weaker than what it was before. But, you know, he's still the starter of an NFL football team, and I really believe that has to be in credit to Odell Beckham Jr. Um, you know, the, the pure athleticism that this man possesses, the swagger he brings onto a football field while people, you know, might find it immature, inappropriate. I love it. I love seeing, you know, a guy go out and know his worth to a team, to an organization, to the league, and really just flaunt his talent on a football field. Um, he, in my opinion, when it's all said and done at the end of the day, Odell Beckham Jr., will be the greatest receiver to ever play the game of football. And that's not to say that there can be greats that come after him that, you know, surpass him at by the end of their careers. But if I'm putting my money on it, you know, Odell, before his, you know, season-ending injury last year, was on pace to not just break but shatter Jerry Rice's records for receiving yards, touchdowns. Um, and I truly believe that, you know, 
even if he plays with an average quarterback, an average starting quarterback in the NFL for his entire career, and that he, you know, and he should, you know, maintain a relatively lengthy career in the NFL. I think he has the ability to break those records, and I'm excited to see it happen. Um, you know, I I think that you know his catch radius is insane. His ability to you know tiptoe on the sideline while a ball is you know two yards out of bounds. Um, Odell is really at an interesting point in his career because he is reaching the end of his rookie contract and. To this point, the Giants have refused or have not really found time to extend Odell. And Odell can have a lot of say into the future of the Giants because, yes, there are shiny pieces on the defense. You have what may be one of the best running backs in football from day one in Saquon Barkley. You have talented receiving play. You have a nice young tight end in Evan Ingram, an improving offensive line. <clears throat> but Odell is is one of the best playmakers on a football field and that's a huge blow to lose a guy like that and you know if the Giants make the wrong decisions and Odell decides to leave there are plenty of brilliant opportunities that he could go to um the the first two that come to my head are two of the teams with franchise quarterbacks good offensive systems and a ton of cap space uh the San Francisco 49ers the Indianapolis Colts um in San Francisco Kyle Shanahan the best offensive mind in football and a young franchise quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo and then you look at Indianapolis um Chris Ballard one of the you know brighter future um great GMs in this league Frank Reich an offensive guru from Philadelphia last year at head coach and of course Andrew Luck who is set to return um once he you know gets a little bit healthier you know there are plenty of options. If Odell Beckham Jr. wants to sign a max deal, it's, it won't matter. There will be, you know, 20 offers on the table for him if he chooses, if the Giants choose to not, you know, extend him. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But, you know, I love what Odell Beckham Jr. brings to a football field. It's enticing to watch. Um, you know, I love seeing him with the Giants. I, you know, I would like to see, you know, players finish out their careers with the team that they began uh, or they began their careers with. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see, and we'll have to wait and see what he does this upcoming season. Um, you know, that, that'll that wrap up the player profile for number 13 to go with episode 13, Giants wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. Let's get into some topics. Now on to our first topic of the day. The NFL draft has come and passed us, just as you may be aware. It took place last Thursday, June 21st. Um, a lot of, you know, exciting, you know, moves, you know, uh, first of all, congratulations to the 60 athletes who heard their names chosen um, in the NBA draft. That is a monumental point in a man's career and all the hard work and dedication that they had put out, um, you know, huge props to those guys who have made that jump to the NBA. Um, and yeah, we, we've got a lot to look at in the, um, in the world of the NBA now, this rookie class and moving forward, I've got three NBA draft winners for you. Also, to go along with that, three NBA draft losers. I'm going to start with the losers first so we can t end on a positive note. Uh, the first guy for me who is a loser, and these can be team or player specific, the first loser in my mind, Michael Porter Jr., uh, small forward, now with the Denver Nuggets, who was picked at 14. Um, and, and this is, you know, really upsetting because injuries derailed this man's chance at being a top three pick um, this past season. You know, he was, you know, some valued him as the best overall prospect if, you know, it was just last spring before the season began, before his unfortunate back surgery. He's got some really scary medical issues, and because of that, fell all the way to the end of the lottery. And Inso also missed out on a decent amount of money. There's a big difference between being picked, you know, 
first, second, or third compared to being picked 14th in the draft. Um, but, you know, props to Michael Porter Jr. He, he did manage to land himself with an NBA team, and he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And he's, you know, in a nice organization with a, a bunch of young pieces. Um, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Nikola Jokic, I didn't even mention him. They brought in Paul Millsap uh, last season. The Denver Nuggets, it, it's a competitive Western Conference, but you know, Michael Porter Jr. could be the steal of this draft. Um, we'll talk about uh, the Nuggets later. But Michael Porter Jr., definitely the you know first guy I thought about as a loser in this draft just because of how much money he lost out on. Um, but I hope that this has lit a fire under his ass and he can, you know, take that into the uh, future for his NBA career. On to my second loser, um, and this is a team. The Atlanta Hawks, to me, um, had a very interesting draft night they traded back from the third overall pick uh to the fifth with the dallas mavericks and selected um trey young point guard out of oklahoma now i can't say that i'm surprised it was rumored earlier in the day or earlier in the week that this was a move that they were suggesting thinking about doing um my only problem is is that in my opinion the best available player in this uh, the best player in this draft uh luka Doncic was available at pick number three and Trey Young in my opinion was probably the most scary pick outside of Michael Porter Jr. to take in the lottery um you know Trey Young some say maybe he's the next Steph Curry but you know all I see is an undersized point guard who can't defend who chucks the ball a lot and you know makes shots sometimes at the college level um not to mention the Hawks you know have Dennis Schroeder at point guard right now and of course you know, we would expect him to be on the move um, within the coming months or the next year. But I also would say that if you had taken Luka Doncic um, at, you know, pick number three, he's a better fit alongside Dennis Schroeder than Trey Young is. I believe, you know, Trey Young is, you know, so small and undersized like Dennis that you have two true point guards where I believe Luka Doncic, six foot eight, could even be, you know, a shooting guard or small forward or a really small, small forward in the NBA. Um you know, even if they wanted to go some of the bigs available, Jaron Jackson Jr., um, Wendell Carter Jr., the Hawks, to me, made a, a terrible choice in a rebuilding phase for them. Um, you know, Trey Young, there's that 5% chance that he's the next Steph Curry, but there's a 95% chance that he's the next bust of the of the NBA draft. Um, and, you know, I like 95 to, to 5 odds a lot better than I do five to 95. Um, so the, the the Hawks made a terrible decision in my eyes, screwed up on that pick, screwed up on the draft, set their rebuild back a little. And, uh, now we're just going to have to pick up the pieces onto our third, um, loser of the NBA draft. And I, it's such a sad story. Um, McCall Bridges, small forward from Villanova, a Philly guy grew up, played at Villanova, had a great collegiate career, national champion, um, was selected by his hometown Philadelphia 76ers with the 10th overall pick. A, a, an amazing story for a guy who grew up in the area. His mom works with the 76ers. And while he's giving an interview, a touching interview on what it's like to be able to stay in the city of Philadelphia, he gets traded um, out of Philly to the Phoenix Suns. Um, which, you know, of course is still a great opportunity for him. You know, a young roster, new head coach, um, definitely will, you know, put a chip on his shoulder. Maybe, like I said, even with Michael Porter Jr. to motivate him going forward in his NBA career to be traded away 
minutes after um, your hometown team drafted you. But certainly a sad story just to, you know, a guy who really had spent his time in the area drafted by his hometown team. That's an amazing moment. And they're in a, you know, they're a winning franchise now, um, just coming off of his uh, uh, their best season in years, um, you know, playing alongside two future greats in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. It really was, in my eyes, a perfect situation for him and for the 76ers. Of course, um, the Suns made an offer that was really intriguing and, you know, the 76ers looked at that 2021 unprotected first round pick from the Miami Heat and they had to take it um, just because of the fact that, you know, the Heat could go in several directions, um, a majority of them possibly being down. That pick could be super valuable in a few years. Um, unfortunately, it was an offer that the 76ers couldn't refuse. And with that came the price of trading away a homegrown talent. And I'm sure something that was a tough decision for them to make. But, you know, losers, McCall Bridges, a sad story, a sad day for him. But like I said, when Michael Porter Jr. hopefully lights a, a, a fire under his ass as his NBA career begins. So now we'll move on to the winners of the NBA draft. Of course, these guys uh, will be a lot happier about their outcome of this past week. We got to start off my biggest winner of this draft um, and, you know, could end up with an amazing offseason and be the winners of the offseason um, the Dallas Mavericks did a tremendous job um, in this NBA draft in acquiring my favorite player, like I mentioned, Luka Doncic, at pick number uh, three, essentially, trading, you know, the fifth overall pick to Atlanta, which was Trey Young. Um, the You know, you, you got your, you know, your next franchise player, your next franchise guard. Of course, it's another foreign superstar. Of course, Dallas will love that after having 20 years of Dirk Nowitzki. Um, you know, pairing him alongside Dennis Smith Jr. Um, of course, I do believe that they need some help up front, but that could set up for an amazing offseason there. You know, DeAndre Jordan could be on the trade market. DeMarcus Cousins is a free agent. There are definitely some big guys that could, uh, you know, complement the play of Doncic. Um, but the Mavs also only having to give up a top five protected pick in next year's draft um, to Atlanta to acquire such a talent, I believe is remarkable. I think that, you know, Dallas can certainly improve from the season they had and be outside the top five pick and still be able to hold on to their first round pick next year. Um, they were the biggest winners of this draft. They could go on and be the biggest winners of this offseason uh, should things fall their way. Dallas Mavericks taking Luka Doncic, great start to their NBA offseason. Now my second winner, and this team has an asterisk mark on it, uh, it's the Denver Nuggets because, you know, like I mentioned, you know, Michael Porter might have been a, a loser of this draft, but the Denver Nuggets may walk away as the best winners of this draft if Michael Porter Jr. can remain as relevant as uh, as scouts and NBA GMs thought he would have been a year ago from today. Um, you know, they possibly could have walked away with the best player in this draft class at pick number 14. Of course, he fell due to those physicals. And is he going to be able to have a sustained NBA career? There have been reports he might sit out the, you know, his first NBA season, which is fine in today's NBA, like we've seen with guys like Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. They have sat out time to make sure they're healthy before they start their careers. And those were guys taken in the top three, you know, let alone a guy, you know, at pick 14. If he sits his first year um, in Denver, if it's going to ensure that he has a healthy career, I'd go ahead and do that. But the Nuggets... Um, definitely, you know, like I said with Dallas, if, if they walked away with Michael Porter Jr. Um, of last year and he can, you know, regain that fuel and that health that he had before going to college, 
Um, you know, the Nuggets have filled their roster, essentially. You know, my biggest hole for them, they're getting old at the small forward position. I think that they have, um, alongside, you know, Paul Millsap, who is an aging, you know, will become, um, you know, in the curtails of his career as the years approach. Nikola Jokic still at center is one of the brightest young big men in the league. Um, they have plenty of shooters. They do have to address the point guard position. Traded away Emmanuel Moutier. But, you know, with Wilson Chandler getting old, um, small forward position, definitely a position of need for them. They got potentially the steal of this draft if he's healthy. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. was a loser, but the Nuggets sure were not. They have the asterisks there if Porter Jr. can't stay healthy, but I think they might be some of the biggest winners of this draft five years down the road. Now on to my third and final winner of the NBA draft. Um, and this one excites me because I, I just look up and down this roster and I, I think it's so enticing to me. The Chicago Bulls um, are the third winner of this draft. And, I, you know, they drafted Wendell Carter Jr. Um, out of Duke at the seventh overall pick in this NBA draft. And, you know, people really might be sleeping on this pick in Chicago, but to me, it finishes the puzzle um, for Chicago. And, you know, like I said, um, in, you know, previous mock drafts, if you'd seen my writing of mock drafts or even my earlier episode, my first mock draft after the NBA draft lottery, I thought that the Bulls might be in a position to take Michael Porter Jr. I thought that, you know, maybe teams weren't as scared and he would be taken in the top 10, but of course he slipped to 14 and, you know, the Bulls passed on him as well. Um, but the Bulls, getting really their small ball center, the way the NBA is going, he's going to be their center of the future. They have Robin Lopez on the roster, an aging guy, taking up some big money. They might look to move him now with Wendell Carter Jr., ready to come in and start day one. The Bulls are just winners to me because they have so many young guys on this roster that excite me. Um, Chris Dunn had a really disappointing rookie year in Minnesota, didn't get much playing time, was traded to Chicago, and had you know a much better season last year than his rookie year. I think he still has room to grow and turn into an average starter at the point guard position in this league. I am in love with Zach Levine. You'll hear me talk about him later on in this episode. Uh, stay tuned for that. Zach Levine to me is um, going to be the face of this franchise moving forward. Um, coming off that ACL injury, it takes more than a year really to get back to full form. Levine just is a highlight reel, um, a great athlete. If he can get his shooting down, he is a star in this league. Um, and then, you know, last year, you know, a guy that I thought might have been the worst pick in the first round, um, you know, prove me wrong. That's some self-scouting. Laurie Markkinen, um, power forward for the Bulls. All NBA rookie first team um, had an amazing season. You know, it, it, it really didn't get um, much attention from the NBA world because you had the likes of Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum doing what they did in the playoffs. But Laurie Markkinen, you know, for rookies outside of the playoffs, had probably the best season of the bunch. Um, he excites me moving forward. And now you pair him with Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, you know, the Bulls could have addressed the small forward position. I think they have time to do that. Um, but to me... Uh, the Bulls are definitely winners of this draft, and uh, yeah, it, it, it was an interesting draft. You know, a lot. You know, I, I my top ten projected picks, um, eight of the ten were selected. Of course, um, Shai Gilligas Alexander dropped to eleven, um, and Michael Porter Jr. fell to fourteen. But you know, I had the right estimate of who was going in the top ten. Um, it was an interesting draft, and you know, I'm excited to see these rookies play next year going to move on to our only NFL topic for the day. And like I said, we're previewing the upcoming season uh, for certain NFL teams, you know, teams we've already previewed for the Arizona Cardinals, Atlanta Falcons, Baltimore Ravens, Buffalo Bills. And last episode was the Carolina Panthers. I'm just going through this alphabetically, you know, giving, 
record outlook on the year, their place in the conference and the division, team MVP, their fantasy player to look out for, and their rookie of the year. Um, we're going to move on to the Chicago Bears this time, and they are such an interesting team to me. Um, the, you know, a young quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky, a guy that I wasn't necessarily that high on out of the draft, but certainly had a great year last year in my eyes, um, a better season than I thought he would have would have had he you know got the start earlier in the season than I anticipated then they bring in Matt Nagy an offensive guy from Kansas City a guy under Andy Reid as their head coach I believe that they've got a bright future ahead they have a number one wide receiver now in Robinson of course coming off an ACL injury but is a number one guy the receiving core was definitely their biggest um fiasco over the last few years after losing a bunch of guys you know Alshon Jeffrey Brandon Marshall uh Kevin White never became the guy couldn't stay on the field um, I like their front seven. I like their two corners. Um, the safety combo is nice and young. Um, but, you know, looking at their season, and, you know, this is like what I said with the other teams in the NFC, it's going to be tough to get wins. Um, you know, the Carolina Panthers, I have finishing 8-8. Eight and eight. That's 11th in the NFC by my projections. And, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, who finish above 500 at 9-7 and seven and get seven, second in their division, only plays ninth in the NFC. I truly believe that this is going to be a year of NFC dominance. And it's really disappointing for a team like Chicago, who I think is going to make some massive leaps next year, but we're not going to see it in the win column. So my projection for them, unfortunately, a 6-10 record, um, which also places them fourth in their division. And that just speaks to the strength of the NFC North. I think it gets slept on too much. You've got the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, my, the greatest quarterback to ever play the game of football. Um, you've got the Detroit Lions with Matt Patricia in his first year. Matthew Stafford is, uh, is <clears throat> Matthew Stafford, you know, probably one of the more slept on quarterbacks. I've said he's a top five quarterback in this league. And then the Minnesota Vikings with one of the more complete rosters in football. And now they have Kirk Cousins. So, you know, Chicago, unfortunately, I think they're going to make some amazing leaps, but I only think they finished, I still think they finished last in their division and even 12th in the conference, 12th in the NFC. So, you know, it's interesting, you know, Carolina finished 11th at 8-8, eight and eight, Chicago 6-10, and 10, just finishing one spot below them. You know, it's a small gap between these NFC teams, and um, unfortunately, uh, Chicago's going to have another year of losing, but I think brighter things are to come in their future. Um, you know, team MVP for me, I think Mitchell Trubisky is going to have, you know, not a Jared Goff-like season, but we're going to see that big of an improvement in their play. And I just believe it comes from the offensive scheme that he's going to be playing in, just like um, Jared Goff received with Sean McVay in Los Angeles. I, I look at Mitchell Trubisky, and I believe that he has the composure. He has the um, the backing of the locker room, and he's got offensive weapons to work with. He's got a great running game. They brought in Trey Burton at tight end, Allen Robinson at receiver, the weapons are plentiful, not what they had last year in the receiving game, and I believe the play calling is going to be that much better. He's going to be the team MVP, and it's going to be a big year for Trubisky because you're going to see other guys in that draft class. Deshaun Watson's going to come back. He's going to be healthy. He had a great start to his season. He is going to have to really step things up. Um, and then you look at Pat Mahomes. He's got the keys to the car in Kansas City, uh, last where Matt Nagy was coaching. He, they've got probably some of the best offensive weapons in football and a great offensive mind in Andy Reid. Those two were taken after Mitchell Trubisky. So if there's not, if you don't think there's a lot on Trubisky's plate, he was the first quarterback taken in this draft. He's going to have to live up to expectations. And if picks 10 and 26 are lighting up the field and he's not making those improvements, it's going to be a detriment to his career moving forward. I think he's going to rise to the challenge and have a better season. 
you know, do I think he's the best quarterback in that class? No, I actually thought that he was third. I would have ranked them Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Mitchell Trubisky. Um, I actually, you know, I've said that for years now, um, but this is the way the cards fell in the draft. Trubisky is going to have to live up to that hype. I think he does um, next season. And I, like I said, I think the Bears are really going to take some big leaps. It's not going to show in the win column, but Trubisky getting, you know, the, the team MVP award in my eyes. And now on to fantasy player of the year for them, for you fantasy football fans, for you fantasy football fans. That's a fun one. Uh, Jordan Howard running back. Stop. You know, I, I'm not going to get sneaky with this and say, Oh, you know, the, the third wide receiver is going to have a breakout year and he's going to be the key to the, you know, your fantasy season. Jordan Howard is one of the better running backs in football. Um, for how late, you know, he was taken in the draft. It's amazing how far he was slept on. Um, has had some amazing seasons in Chicago, and I think we're going to see another one just like it. <clears throat> you know, I believe that he's got, like I said, you know, with Trubisky and his improvement, they've got a better offensive system. I think the tandem between him and Tariq Cohen is going to work even better, and Jordan Howard should see an even better season ahead. The offensive line has also improved in my eyes. I think there are better things to come for Jordan Howard, so make sure to get him in your fantasy lineups, um, you know, the first round is, you know, tough if you can, you know, of course, there are going to be names that you want to take ahead of him. Maybe slips early into your second round and you can grab him. I definitely think he is a prized possession. And now rookie of the year. This is a guy that I loved for Chicago. I thought they did a great job in the draft. Um, it's interesting because, you know, they took my second ranked linebacker um, from this class. <clears throat> I had Buffalo's uh, Tremaine Edmonds ahead of him slightly by, a you know, just a point or two. But Roquan Smith is going to be the rookie of this year, rookie of the year for this Chicago Bears team. And he is going to be the next face of the franchise on the defensive uh, side of the football, one that we have not seen since Brian Urlacher. Um, he's going to anchor the middle of that defense. He is going to be a menace for them. He is a smart guy. He's big bodied, aggressive hitter, great tackler, good form. Um, I think, you know, the missing piece in the Chicago defense was right in the middle of their football field. I like the secondary. The front four is decent for now. They really needed that plug in the middle of the football field to anchor the defense. That's going to be Roquan Smith. Taken with the eighth pick in the draft, he's going to do amazing things in his first year. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited to see Chicago. You know, six and ten, you know, people will look at that and say, well, you know, they're still where they were last year, but this team is going to be so much better than they were last year. Their receiving core is better. Their defense should improve even more so. The play calling will be eons better. Trubisky will take a next step. It's just hard to notice that in a NFC that's going to be probably the most competitive it's ever been um, since its creation. And so, you know, the Chicago Bears finishing 6-10, last in their division, 12th in the NFC, team MVP Mitchell Trubisky, fantasy player, put him in your lineups, Jordan Howard, rookie of the year in the middle of that defense, the next face of the defense since Brian Urlacher, Roquan Smith. It's an exciting year for Chicago. Be patient with them. You might not like the record at the end of the year, but I promise you this is going to be a much better team than what you see in the win column. And our last topic for the day, and this is maybe a little more of a fun one for me, um, just in light of, you know, recently, uh, this past Monday, we had the uh, revealing of the 2018 Kia MVP or Kia NBA Awards ceremony. Um, and, you know, it got me thinking, you know, a little bit about next season. Um, real quick, just to touch base on what I had predicted in back in episode three on May 18th. Um, I believed I, you know, I thought that, you know, James Harden would win MVP, predicted uh, uh, Ben Simmons would win rookie of the year, predicted that 
excuse me, Rudy Gobert would win Defensive Player of the Year. Oladipo would win uh, Most Improved Player of the Year. The only two that I got wrong, I had per, uh, picked Eric Gordon getting Sixth Man of the Year. Uh, instead of Lou Williams, I thought, you know, the Rockets were a much better team record-wise um, than the Clippers, and I thought, you know, Eric Gordon still had a good season. So Lou Williams, of course, um, proved me wrong, and so did Dwayne Casey, of course, you know, the now head coach of the Detroit Pistons, um, you know, recipient with his season in the Raptors. I thought that it should go to Brad Stevens. I truly believe that he is, if not this, you know, the best NBA coach, um, the second best behind Greg Popovich. But of course, Dwayne Casey, uh, you know, and Louis, you know, first in the Eastern Conference, um, you know, finished above Boston, finished above Cleveland, Philadelphia. Um, had a great season and did what he could with Toronto while he was still there. Definitely was deserving of that honor. Um, those were the only two I missed on that. But it got me thinking, um, you know, some of the awards for next season. And these are my way too early predictions. And I'm only going to do four. I'm going to do MVP, Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, and then Most Improved Player of the Year. And these are kind of just, you know, I didn't want to do <clears throat> six man of the year. I have no idea how that is going to shape up. I have no idea what teams are going to be great and which guy is going to have a great season off the bench. I can't predict that. I also didn't want to waste my time trying to figure out who would be defensive player of the year. I'm assuming it's going to be a big man like a Gobert or maybe a Kawhi when he's back. Maybe an Anthony Davis who was, you know, a finalist this past season. Or maybe a newcomer like, a you know, Kristaps Porzingis if he was able to play a majority of the season. You know, he was at <coughs> over two blocks a game before he got hurt. But um, just MVP, Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, Most Improved. And I'm going to start with Most Improved Player of the Year, work my way up. I am, you know, I guess just riding the hype train with the Chicago Bulls because I think the most improved player of the year is going to be Zach Levine for the Chicago Bulls. Um, I, like I said, I believe that the ACL, ACL injury isn't just a one season thing and you're better. It takes more than that to get to your full self. And especially when you're an athletic guy like Zach Levine, I also think that this injury is given him time to fine tune some other aspects of his game. You know, he's not able to just, you know, be in practices and work on all of his great dunking all the time. Um, you know, while his knee heals up, he can, you know, finesse his shooting, his playmaking ability. And, you know, like I said, I think Chicago is on the rise. And, you know, you look at who won it last, uh, who won it this season. Victor Oladipo was on the Pacers and was the breakout star for a team that made it into the playoffs. It might be too early for me to say it, but I think that this Bulls team in a shaky Eastern Conference has playoff potential. I think they have the young stars to make it work. And uh, if that's the case and they can sneak in and kind of have a surprise season like Indiana had, um, Zach Levine, in my opinion, is the face of that and should be awarded most improved, kind of like what we saw with Victor Oladipo. Uh, moving on to Coach of the Year, and I'm going to stick with what I said for this year, it's Brad Stevens. You know, in my opinion, it should have been Brad Stevens this season and you know the season before when they made it to the eastern conference finals and I, it, he is just a mastermind and gets the most out of what you know other coaches would see as reserves on their bench he turns them into guys who can perform in the playoffs you saw terry rogier come alive in the absence of you know a limited marcus smart and no kyrie irving you saw jason tatum and jalen brown you know bear the load while gordon hayward was sidelined for the entire year you got stuff out of players that I don't think over half the coaches in the league could have gotten from these guys. And I think that's only going to continue. Of course, 
He will have Kyrie back, Gordon Hayward back. They still have free agency. They could add pieces. They could trade away one of those guys. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, the Celtics should finish first in the Eastern Conference, maybe even finish with one of the best records in the NBA, if not the best. And I believe that should finally give some respect to Brad Stevens, and he should be coach of the year. Now on to rookie of the year. And I didn't get to talk about him in this first segment because I didn't put him in as a winner or a loser. I didn't put his team as a winner or a loser. But I am putting him as my rookie of the year. And I think it's you know it's Marvin Bagley III out of Duke, now with the Sacramento Kings, um, the second overall pick. Some teams were a little critical, um, or some scouts, media members were critical of the Kings for passing on a guy like Luka Doncic. Um, but, you know, in my opinion... I didn't like the fit next to De'Aaron Fox with Doncic. I thought getting a power forward to work with De'Aaron Fox next to Willie Cauley-Stein, I thought it built well for the future. I wouldn't say it was, you know, the steal of the draft. I didn't have them as big-time winners, but I thought it was the right pick for their franchise moving forward. And what you're going to get with Marvin Bagley is you're going to get a guy who's, in his rookie season, going to be in that 20 points a game range. I honestly think that the offense is going to be so shorthanded on, with their other positions as just be Marvin Bagley just taking all the shots. And, you know, he's a great scorer. Of course, he's not a great defender, um, really doesn't really put in that effort, kind of like what you saw um, a couple of years ago with Jaleel Okafor, and, and that just gave me, you know, <laughs> nightmares of a comparison. I hope it doesn't pan out like that, but Marvin Bagley III has, you know, some great potential in Sacramento. I believe that, you know, he will be the face of that franchise. You know, De'Aaron Fox was picked at five, had an up-and-down rookie year, but I think this is, the offense is going to run through Marvin Bagley III, and if he's a guy that can get... 18 19 points a game maybe sneak close to that 20 range and can also you know grab 8 to 10 rebounds a game he's rookie of the year um you know of course Luka Doncic is definitely an option he he would be the smart pick in my eyes um you know I wouldn't go with DeAndre Ayton just because I believe center it's a little tough he's not you know the number one guy in that offense it's Devin Booker um and a bunch of other young guys that we have to see really how they work together whereas I think Marvin Bagley is just going to be feeding him the ball, give him the ball, shoot, shoot, score. He is going to be the um, the alpha of that offense, and he's going to be the rookie of the year in my way too early predictions. And now on to my MVP, and yes, you know, I would love to see him be the MVP every year. I think he is the MVP every year. I believe the MVP award has been construed to who has the most exciting season. No, it's not that. It's what player is the most valuable to the franchise he plays for, and every year it's LeBron James. And it's a little different because if I if I was trying to make an educated pick, you know, maybe I would go with a Westbrook or a Harden. But I truly believe that we are getting into the 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 part of LeBron's career where he's gonna get a few more MVPs the next few seasons. And what I mean by that is, you know, you got the MVP years in the first stage of his career. Um, you know, he he has four of them already, um, hasn't gotten one in a in God, I don't know when his last one was, maybe 2012, or no, that seems too long ago. But anyways, um, you know, he's four-time MVP. He hit that second part of his, second stage of his career where he was winning championships with Miami, won the first one with Cleveland. Um, and, you know, of course, unfortunately, I believe that second part of his career might have come to an end now unless he made some massive moves this free agency. And now I think we're in the third part of LeBron's career where it's the mogul phase. And I think that it's it's just going to be the part where we admire the fact that he is still doing it at the age that he is at. And because of that, I think it's going to, you know, get him some more MVP awards, which I think is a great recognition because if he can't get the titles, 
he he's the most talented guy to ever step on a basketball court. He needs the recognition. He needs something to, you know, hang his coat up on at the end of the day when he decides to retire. In my eyes, I think LeBron has hit that part of his career. I truly believe that he would be the MVP of next season. Um, you know, if he's in Cleveland, if he's in LA, um, you know, some, I, I, it would have to be a massive move where he still is in that title phase of his career. I think we've hit the mogul phase of LeBron James. Um, and I believe that that's going to bring more MVP awards to him. Maybe he gets two more, gets that total up to six. I'd love to see that. Um, but just to recap, most improved player of the year, Zach Levine. I love what Chicago is doing. And if he's the face of that team, as they make a jump to the postseason next year, he should be most improved coach of the year. Doubt, uh, you know, undoubtedly a top two coach in the league. And he's a young guy. He's got a team full of, you know, rotational players in the playoffs last year. Of course, he'll have stars back next year, but he's definitely the best coach in the league um, in, you know, player development. Rookie of the year, Marvin Bagley the third. I think he's just going to get every opportunity to score. And, you know, if you look at MVPs, people love scoring. You know, James Harden like, led the league in scoring. Russell Westbrook had, you know, average a triple-double. Marvin Bagley is going to have some amazing numbers his rookie year. The Kings won't be winning games, but he'll be doing a lot on the court. Rookie of the year. And then lastly, like I just said, LeBron James is in the mogul phase of his career. And I think MVPs are going to come out of that. So with those three topics out of the way, uh, we are going to say goodbye until Friday, June 29th. Um, I appreciate you guys for listening. Of course, you can always find me on Twitter at Blake Andrew Pace. You can follow my work at The Breeze. Um, at SB Nation, Stampede Blue with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, make sure to follow me on Twitter, you know, DM me, send me an email at blakeandrewpace at gmail.com if you want to talk about the podcast, stuff to talk about. Um, you know, I'm always open to hearing, you know, criticism or, you know, what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. Um, but, you know, we're going to let this music play out. Thank you so much. Hope you have a good one. We'll catch you on Friday.